in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDancerDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 574 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, men, listen up. Ron has uh, five things that you shouldn't be doing anymore. They are not sexy, so knock it off. <laughs> I looked at five of those things, and I have one of the five actually going, yeah, that's happening in my life, so I'm wondering if that's okay. We'll run that by Ron, and we'll find out. Also, uh, come on, you ever feel like you're on the same wavelength as someone else? I think since Ron and I are boyhood friends, sometimes we feel that. Is that a real thing? Yeah, some new brain science says it is a real thing, that you can be on the same, same wavelength with someone. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. By now... Uh, you've heard about the Titan. In fact, on our last show, uh, we were speculating. It was on a Thursday. We were recording. 96 hours of air was up, and we were speculating if the Titan would ever come home. Well, the Titan is coming home in pieces, and as a result of that, it looks like the United States uh, Navy and I think the United States Coast Guard, also Canada, is now involved in not only retrieving the vehicle, which they've done, but they have also found human remains. Ron, James Cameron, uh, I didn't know he was just a great director. He's an incredible scientist. When you look at some of the subs that he has been involved in creating, and in fact, he works for a company that has 20 submersibles around the world. And he said, you know, if you go back, even in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, greatest hits of the 90s and today, he said these accidents don't Happen because we do a great job of self-policing. But in this case, it seems like he's looking at these explorers and saying, yeah, these guys weren't explorers. They were more idiotic. Uh, I don't know if you call them scientists, but guys that were basically trying to create a commercial vehicle on the cheap, saying that NASA and Boeing were involved, but it seems like they weren't. And all this just so they could charge someone $250,000 a person to take that thing down commercially and go see the Titanic. He said that would be something that he would never do in a vehicle like that. Ron, as you learn more, these guys, and specifically the guys that own OceanGate, are these great explorers or are these just absolute idiots? What are your thoughts? Boy, I, I was very uneducated uh, on this, and you sent me a couple links of videos for uh, James Cameron, who I think they call it the deep submersible community. Like, he kept referencing the deep submersible community uh, and his involvement in there. And so he talks about the different materials that you can build a submersible over, and that's the part I found most fascinating because he – um, uh, has a lot of experience with this when he's like, Hey, when we're doing the Titanic and I was doing my research, uh, we commissioned, you know, part of the budget of that movie is like to commission some vehicles to get, uh, footage and to go down to that wreckage site. And he's like, we looked at carbon fiber 
And he said, when you uh, do, and he went really deep into like how the carbon fiber is put together, what happens at different depths, how the laminations perform under the types of pressure that they were talking about. And so, um, and then he, they showed some of the different, the, some of the different submersibles that he was a part of. And he's like, Hey, when you invert it this way, or you build, you know, different shapes and different, one looks like a teardrop and what, like he was going through all of it in great detail. And, and he wasn't dancing on the, the, the grave or shaking his finger at these folks. Cause like, this is a consequence of people that are in the deep submersible communities. Like, Hey, we, everybody knows when you get into that thing. And he went into the, the Mariana trench where he's like, I knew when I got into that vessel, there's a chance that I would not come back. And he's like, you do that calculus when uh, you are going to take a dive that deep. And that's why you pay such close attention to the materials, to the design, to the engineering, to the shapes, uh, going with proven things. And he's like, he goes, I would have never, well, let me paraphrase and see if you this reconciles with you. He's like, if I'm going down solo, like he did in the, the Mariana Trench, he goes, that's one thing. He goes, I, 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 can, I can look in the mirror, calculate the risks, run the probabilities, do uh, all the research. And he goes, that's one thing for me to take James Cameron's life, put it inside this deep submersible and go down. Taking a passenger in a vehicle that has not been reviewed by not only the rest of the deep submersible community, but any sort of government agency, He's like, that is something that I would never do in a million years. And did you get the feeling, and maybe he said it outright in the stuff that you watched. He's like, that is a, well, it's not criminal. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it, it is a liability. It's negligent. Negligent. Yeah. He's like, that's, it's negligent to just go, we think this uh, carbon fiber lamination is going to work, but it's not been reviewed by anybody. And, uh, and then James Cameron talked about it, and I've seen some videos of um, implosions that have happened in tankers, like on, on the land, where it's like, hey, this is one atmosphere of pressure, and you see a, like a tanker, you know, an oil tanker or something you'd see on the back of a semi-truck just go, and, and take a fraction of a second to collapse. And he's like, this was under the, over 300 atmospheres of pressure down there, Um he, he convinced me that this was negligent. When we talked about this last week, I was like, well, you know, if you're in the spirit of adventure and this guy up in Everett has dedicated his life to this and it, it seemed like it seemed viable, James Cameron flipped me on my head and was like, okay, he seems more right than the, the other people, obviously in hindsight with the deaths as yeah, well. Yeah, and James Cameron said when he was going down the trench, he's like, we we talked about two or three people going. He said, but there there. He, he said, I knew there was no plan B, and because there was no plan B, I didn't want to take anyone with me, and I knew that I was putting my life on the line. But I didn't want to put anybody else's on the line. Even the vehicle that discovered the Titanic, the Alvin, has been around since the nineteen sixties. That was it's unmanned, been, right? It's been upgraded, and it, it it's been down forty six hundred times without a particular implosion. And so I think in the deep submersible community, they really understand how these submersibles work. They understand the pressure. They understand the shape. They understand the science of it. And I think you had a guy here 
that started to say, well, Boeing, you, you go out on their website and they were just bold-faced lies that Boeing was a part of this and NASA was a part of this and the University of Washington was a part of this. And it's very clear that even though that they used some of the University of Washington's facilities to do some of the testing, the University of Washington, Boeing and NASA, they were not a part of this. They didn't build this. It was on the website. And if I was doing my research and even as I've seen people that went down that didn't implode, they said that was a big part of it for them is when they went out, they did their due diligence because you're not going to spend $250,000 and not do your due diligence. Or in the case of the gentleman that spent half a million dollars, and then now we found out that mom gave up her seat for her 19-year-old son, and he wanted to go down with a Rubik's Cube and see if he could solve it in less than 12 seconds on the ocean floor trying to create a Guinness Book of World Record. That's what he was about. So now she has to live with the fact that she gave up that seat, that they'd gone to the website, and that Ocean Gate touted that NASA, the University of Washington, uh, and other institutions were a part of this. It's very clear that they weren't. It's very clear that it wasn't even stretching the truth. That wasn't the truth. And that's one of the reasons why people felt confident in getting in that vehicle because they trust NASA. And I know for me, if I saw that NASA was a part of this and that the University of Washington was a part of this and Boeing was a part of this, then I might get in that capsule myself, right? But that was information that was not correct, that was on their website. And as a result of that, they were using that to troll people to try to grab that $250,000 so they could continue to fund quote-unquote research. This isn't research. These are very rich people that can afford to go down and see a memorial in a wreck and rubberneck it. And when people say, yeah, well, we're going down there uh, with uh, great humility and we understand it. No, you're not because you're looking out the window. You're laughing. You're giggling. You're taking pictures with the wreck. People went down there. They were getting married in the submersible on the bow of the Titanic. Uh, there's over 140 tourists that have gone down there to do stuff when you go down and see the ship. So let's just be honest. These were commercial dives. These are very rich people that could write very big checks and they have access to things. Things that a lot of us don't have, whether it be in space or whether it be in the depths of the ocean. And even when you look at the gentleman that started OceanGate, you know, right out of Everett, Washington, he was a guy that wanted to be an astronaut and go, go high, high, high to space and build Mars and do, do, do everything uh, that we see some other people doing right now, including Elon Musk. He wanted to be a part of that. And when his eyesight was too bad and they said, yeah, you, you can't be an astronaut. He's like, well, what can I do? And that's when he went out. He tried to rent submersibles. He couldn't find submersibles that would work for commercial work. He started building those himself. And so the idea has always been to do what we see happening in space now with SpaceX uh, and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and take people into space and make them write huge texts. That's what this guy did. He was on the phone a lot trying to recruit people to come down in that little capsule. And here he is. And he got a bunch of people blown up. And as a result of that, I think this is criminal. I really do. And I think OceanGate, uh, I think they're probably in a lot of trouble financially as a result of that. And then the other thing is this. that's really hard, I think, for all of us. And this is becoming a story. When you see a migrant ship go down and hundreds of people die and, and no one's looking uh, for those humans. And at the same time, we have billionaires go down. 
uh, and the world shows up to find them and to bring them back from two and a half miles down on the ocean floor. And the question is, who's going to pay for this? It's not OceanGate. It's you, me, and the Canadian government. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. And guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Rob has you covered this summer. Yeah, right, we Ron? told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with, with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at leschwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. You guys, I don't know what it is about the Ron and Don business, but I just want to thank everybody for reaching out and trusting us. When it comes to a real estate transaction, a lot of times it's hard to figure out where does it start, where does it end, especially if you're selling your home. Maybe it involves your parent. Maybe you have the power of attorney. Maybe there was an accident. Maybe they fell. Maybe they died suddenly. We have so many of you that are reaching out to us and saying, hey, I have my mom's house, my dad's house, their estate. We need realtors to help us out here. And... I just appreciate all the trust that was connected during our terrestrial radio days. Ron, it's alive and well in our real estate business, isn't it? Yeah, if you're in that situation, or it could be another situation like a job change, life comes at you, throws you a curveball, something unexpected, and real estate is involved, we want to be your teammates. So let's start out, see if we'll make a good team, and do a sit-down. It's a Zoom call, it's virtual, it takes about 30 minutes or so, and I will set it up for you. Just email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up online at ron and Don sitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. Don't forget if you need us, just go to Ron and Don sitdown.com. In fact, my neighbor was uh, walking by the other day and said, Hey, we're getting ready to sell our house. We're wondering uh, if we could connect with you and Ron. So we're going to do a sit down here in the next couple of weeks is uh, they're doing what a lot of people are doing. It seems like a lot of our clients are either moving to Mexico. I was talking to someone yesterday again that's moving to Mexico. They're either moving to Mexico or they're moving to Bend or maybe somewhere in Montana, Idaho, and a lot of folks heading down to Arizona as well. So anyway, if you need us, if you're relocating, we're here to help. Just go to ronanddunsitdown.com. And don't forget, now more than ever, uh, I had, a, in, in, in fact, a realtor friend of mine. Her name is Candace. She was selling a home in Bryant. And it, it seems like one realtor uh, told this couple, hey, just put it on the market as is and, and, and we'll sell it and you'll probably get about 800 grand for it. Candace got a hold of it. They did about 15 grand worth of work. She sold it in three days and she got $950,000 for the same house. That just goes to show you that you have to find a realtor like her or us that's going to do the work, that's going to guide you. Because, man, I don't know, at the end of the day, making over a hundred grand extra on the sale. Uh, it's pretty good ROI on 15 K. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that's pretty amazing. So that's what Ron and I do. And don't forget we're regional realtors. So if you need us, uh, we're listing homes all over the great specific Northwest right now. 
and we're here to help you. Getting on the same wavelength. I know twins have felt this. I used to date a, a twin back in the day in my 20s. Her and her sister used to go to Twinsburg, Ohio every year. If you're a twin, you probably know what that is, and maybe you've been there. And I could see them from time to time being on the same wavelength, and I always thought, well, that's, that's kind of a twin thing. Did you ever misidentify them because your eyesight's not the greatest? Early on, I did, <laughs> uh, uh, but after a while, you get it down. So All right. what say you about uh, being on the same wavelength? This, this is a, a new, super fascinating New study. neuroscience out that says, yeah, it's not, it's not just for twins, right? So the, uh, this takes us to the world, which is giving us all kinds of interesting things. Functional MRIs. Uh, and so what that means, uh, if you've never done an MRI, back in the day, you would uh, magnetic resonant imaging. You, you drink this uh, fluid that the machine is able, to, the giant magnets are able to pick up the fluid, right? Uh, and it's sort of a reactive fluid. And you drink all this fluid and it's in your system and it's cruising around or sometimes they do it with, with an injection. And so back in the day, you would get in this giant tube, the magnets would go on, and it takes a still photo. It would take still photos of your brain, still photos of your body, and they would use this uh, magnetic MRI to find like a tumor or find something inside your body. Well, new technology came out where they could basically, instead of doing, uh, this is not exactly accurate, but it's close enough. Instead of doing a still picture, you could do a video, basically. You could watch in real time what is happening inside the brain, let's say, and which part of the brain is lighting up. Because again, you have this material coursing through your veins that the magnet is interacting with. And so the, this has opened up all kinds of new and exciting experiments where you can be inside the same tube, listen to a sound, uh, see an image, do some sort of stimuli, and then in real time you watch how the brain reacts to that stimuli, and it's sort of like recording video of the movement and action in the brain. So these scientists thought, well, we've heard this thing about synchronicity, about being on the same wavelength. How do we test this? How are we going to see if this is a thing? And so what they did is they had two folks like me and you, we're in different hospitals uh, because most places have like one MRI and they hooked us up on like a Zoom call. So you would be in one MRI. I'm in the other MRI. We're laying ex extremely still. They can't move your head or anything. But they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Don, you're going to tell a story for 30 to 60 seconds, and we're going to look at both of your brains. And so that's what we did. Round one, you tell a story. They're looking at both our brains. And then Should I tell you a story about a man named Jed? Right. So then the second part, they say, Ron, now you tell Don a story. And we can see each other, yeah. see our faces and, and interact in that way. And so then I tell my story, and they're doing that that uh, particular about how bitter you are every Fourth of July when it's your birthday and yes. it's the Fourth of July, and you don't get any presents. And nobody comes, uh, and to everybody the party. is just playing with with sparklers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so then they have that data set. Though you tell the story by yourself, I tell the story by myself. The third round is we have to invent a story together in real time. So you would start, and there's a little timer. You go for 30 seconds and you set up some scenario and then I have to pick up right when you leave off and then I freestyle for 30 seconds and hand it back to you back and forth where we're inventing the storyline. Either one of us can introduce a character, we can introduce a plot point and the other guy just has to roll with it. And so they do that 
third experiment. And so what they found at the end of this, the, these long MRI sessions is that the people that really were telling a good story, a compelling story together and ping-ponging it back and forth, that their literal brain waves began to coalesce. They began to get closer and closer together, uh, this, these specific brain waves that they were measuring. It was unlike when you told the story or when I told the story. When they were together in this thing and really listening and really paying attention, their brain waves, while they weren't exactly in, in synchronicity, they were pretty close. And so their theory is now, it's like when you are really engaged with someone, and you're really tracking and you are participating in listening with this story that your brains really do align with each other. Uh, and evolutionarily, they say that makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you are especially in, in trying to be safe, uh, trying to gather food, trying to survive, you know, like our ancestors would do, you needed to have a shorthand in a way to say, it's, it's go time. Like we we're close enough. We spend enough time with each other and, and we're intent enough on listening and paying attention that our brain, when I tell you that, that, you know, we're in danger and that we need to go, that you don't sit there and want to have a 20 minute conversation about it. Our brains will sync up and it's like, okay, bam, it's time to go. And then we can break it down later. I, I found it really fascinating because you do have people or I have people through your life where you seem to be in sync with them uh, more easily than other people. And so this, this sort of is one of those things that you always felt like, you know, but to have some actual testing behind it, it sort of confirms it's like, yeah, not everybody is on the same wavelength. Quote I think that's interesting that that happened on zoom. Cause we, we kept hearing one of the reasons why productivity was down is because people were on zoom and we need to get them back in the office. And they say you need that human-to-human connection in order to truly be creative. And, and it seems like this is not true. It seems like the most well, important thing to do it. In the the most important thing is, is to be to be an active listener. Yeah. Whether you're on Zoom or not, right? Right. Like, like there's no other way to do the experiment just with the the way the tubes are. But your point is is well taken. Yeah. See you on the other side. It's a it's a first point that's ever been well taken since we were. Sometimes I we just take children. your point. <laughs> like this time it was well a well. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. Replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys. Uh, welcome back again to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, you can do what we're doing right now. You just go to Ron and Don. Sit down! Oh, sorry, Charlie. 
uh, run it on sitdown.com and we can sit down today. It's about a 40 minute conversation. We find out where you are in your real estate journey. And we all sit down together on a zoom call and I promise to be an active listener. If it goes 42 minutes, Don just hits the end button. Right? Yeah. He's out. And then, uh, if we find out we're going to uh, be good partners, we'll do, uh, what I did yesterday. I jumped in my car, drove up to Edmonds and, uh, started inspecting a home and, doing a sewer check and all that stuff. So anyway, if you need us, just reach out. Ron and Don, sitdown.com. Hey, as we head into the summer months here in Seattle, I often find myself, as my son is getting out of school, sitting outside his middle school and watching all the kids come out, jump on their phones. I'm glad that my kid's not one of them. He has a phone now. Uh, He's actually doing really well with it. I'm very proud of him. But the thing that I like to watch is I like to watch uh, some of the fashion that's happening as kids are walking out. Uh, the Nike Bruin, the Nike Cortez, all the Nikes that you and I wore when we were in junior high and high school, Ron, those are back. And it seems like your son, correct me if I'm wrong, is a shorts all year round guy. See, that's the thing, because we're about to go through some things here that guys aren't supposed to do. And and you can tell us not to do them, and, and I'm guilty on one of these big time. But But then what are we supposed to do instead and see when i see a lot of young women come out of there for instance like the chino pant is back for a lot of young girls or the bell bottom we see coming back for a lot of young girls for 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 kids that are in junior high and high school it's still boys in shorts all year round oh my gosh uh my son does like to pull his socks up to the knee in fairness to your son he runs hot he does run hot. So, like, even if it's February, he's yeah. still running hot. Yeah, he runs hot. The <laughs> I run a little hot. He likes to pull his socks up. I like pulling my socks up, too. And I have people tell me all the time, they're like, you're a grown-ass 56-year-old <laughs> man. What are you doing pulling your socks up? I like a sock pulled up. I just, I, I, I nothing better than a good tube sock. Well, and I think sometimes my calves are too sexy for people to really see. So I like to cover them up a little bit. So my son does the same thing. We go to the gym. We just have our hats. They're on backwards. Just all this. So I don't, we were, we were going through this list. And again, I'm guilty on some of this. And I know that my child is as well, but there, there's not a lot of good fashion out there for men. Like women are always exploring different fashion. And, and, it, and, it, and it's like, I was looking on Amazon last night to look at some of the shorts that I dialed up like 10 years ago to wear. Mm-hmm. You, you can still buy them today on Amazon 10 years later because fashion doesn't change that much for men. So anyway, I'm going to try to be a good active listener here as we go through your list, Ron. Uh, what do you got? These are five. Just, well, here's the premise. Yeah. And believe it or not, this is from the off-duty editor panel of the Wall Street Journal. Wow. And they got to talking because summer is around about, you know, women will dress in a sexy manner. And so as the editorial board is talking, they're like, how do men dress sexy? They're like, we know we like you could, they said it was very easy to say what is sexy when with a woman, what, what type of clothing or what would a woman wear that would universally be known as she is dressing sexy. Yeah. And so say, does that exist for men? Is there a thing where men are quote unquote sexy across the board? And they couldn't really pin that down to your point. Yeah. They couldn't pin down exactly what was sexy, but they did come up with five things they knew that were not sexy. See, okay. All well, right. So the first one, uh, and I'm going to expand it a little bit is they said the, the, the super tight skinny jeans. Yeah. So like if you're a man, yeah. uh, and I'm going to expand that to just overly tight clothing. If you're a dude and you're just, you're wearing overly tight clothing, they say that is not sexy. And they're like, we get it. You work out. 
you're proud of your body, uh, but the super skin tight the skinny pants or just the overly tight clothes for a man is not sexy. So the question is, and so I'm guilty of this on the skinny jean. I've been waiting to move toward a different type of jean, but I, I went in the jean store the other day and, and here in Seattle, just over in the village and, and, and the jeans for men are still skinny. I don't think the years are overly tight though. Is that they're, right? They're tight. But they're talking about, have you seen the ones that are like stretch fabric skinny jean? It's like a, well, mine it's are, almost my, like a yoga pant, but mine are, mine are climbing pants though. And they, they have, yeah, the yours stre- are not super tight and they have the stretch in them. I think you're fine. On so those. that way, when you bend over, you don't rip your crotch no, out. Th- this and, is, this is, that is not the pants that you wear. Jewels this the is Nile. the one where you've seen this at the gym or wherever. It's a man in an overly tight pant that's proud. No, we don't his... wear overly tight pants at the gym. We're working out. So I know, but it's you, men in shorts. But you know what I'm saying. That's what they're talking about. I they're think not I'm talking little, about the climbing pants. I think my jeans might be a little tight. They are I'm, a little tight. I'm open to different types of jeans. Uh, and, and we see the Levi now coming back. But even the Levi that's coming back... It's it's mostly for girls that are wearing guys old yeah, old I, I do five hundred one five hundred ones or five hundred what, what were those were those five hundred ones five hundred ones had the buttons the button uh, yeah the zipper. button yeah yeah so so guys are still wearing those today girls are coming back to that now all I right think. number two so we got to do five of these yeah um, the guy especially this time of year and I'm again I'm going to add something to this that has the little wispy soccer scarf thing on. Yeah, like it's it's a little chilly. You're down by the water in in July, yeah. and you throw the scarf on. The only time this I've ever seen work is in in Europe because it, when scarf, uh, yeah, like the men in Europe are just chic. But you gotta have a cigarette of, in one hand and a yeah. bag in the other, don't and you? And you jump on your Vespa and like they look cool. Glass of vino. But, uh, yeah. American guys, I, I think the wispy scarf. I'm also gonna combo this with summer stocking cap guy. Yeah, I don't know what you're trying to say with yeah. the stocking cap. I was I took the bus yesterday to go run some errands. What about the man bun stocking cap where you're covering uh, up the bun and so it has the sag to it? It's it's like it's it's Beckham Jul- wears that and he's one of the hottest guys in the world. It's July. He, he wears that in the summer you know, all the time. There's no stocking caps in July. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. So that's number two. Number three, and I don't, I don't wonder if you've ever done anything close to this. The plunging neckline. For a man. Well, I I read about this and they did a survey and they said, uh, because I was buttoning my buttons all the way up for a while. Because you you feel pretty good when you when you get fit and you can once again button the top button. Because what happens during COVID and and we all gained some weight, I did as well. You can't button that top button anymore. We have a thick neck. So too. so when you can and I have a seventeen and a half neck. When you can when you can button that, it feels good. But I've been waved off by some of my female friends. They're like, "Don't do that." And and I said, "One button or two? And they're like, two. You're going plunging two neckline. Button, two button do- doesn't feel good to me." But the survey that I read, women prefer the two button unbutton in men. I'm just going one button unbutton. Wow, and every time button. before we do a sit down, like you and I uh, try to dress nice for those. Every once in a while, before uh, our clients come on, our potential clients on the sit down. I'll, I'll like do the second button and I'm like too sexy. 
Yeah. This is, I don't want this sit down to be a sexy sit down. So I go right back to the one button. I think that's wise. Yeah. Number four, tiny fedoras. I tried a fedora one time about a decade ago. You can't. You have a size and eight and a half skull. It looked ridiculous. Well, you had a tiny hat on a huge head. I know. It was yeah. ridiculous. It didn't work. Yeah. When, and I, I 100% agree with the Wall Street Journal on this. Men wearing the little fedoras around right now. Again, you're not in Europe. You're not a cobbler from the 1940s. You like the fedora. You're not Frank Sinatra. I have a, like I zip have, it. I have a hat I wear on my birthdays and I wear in Maui. I take it with me. And it was a hat that my mom picked out. We were over there with her a couple of years ago. And then they said, Hey, this, this hat, is, I'm like $55. And I'm like, that's not bad. Is it a get, fedora? I'll get one for my mom. Yeah. So anyway, they rung me up and, and I think my mom's was 77. What I didn't know is my mom's hat was $770 wow. and my hat was $550. So it's like, I spent enough money on these and you, I couldn't, I couldn't like walk away from the register. I had too much pride going, well, I, oh, I remember was, that hat. I thought that was 55 and 77. I remember you trying to work that into the repertoire. I like that hat. So I don't care what anyone thinks about the hat. I like that hat. I travel with that hat. When I put that hat on, it's like, it's go time. It's play time. It's, it's not work it's time. It's not in the frequent rotation though. What's that? It's not in the rotation. Like, it's a special occasion hat. Yeah, but we're going to have a big client appreciation summer jam breaking party the hat coming up? up here. I'm going to wear the hat. Wow. Yeah, I've already Can't decided. Wait. But that's not a small fedora. What's that? That's a, a regular sized hat. They're talking about. And then the final one, because this is the segment's going on. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm, I think I've seen you do this. Yeah. So you need to be honest with me. Flipping your sunglasses around and putting them on the back of your one head. Time, one time. One time. One time only? But I wear you them. You take on- the glasses, you flip them around. Yeah. And so they're just, they're still over your ears, but are on the back of your head. You know why? Because when guys play pepper, that's where that came from. Guys in baseball, when they play pepper, they will do that and they'll wear their hats backwards or they'll wear their, their, their sunglasses like that backwards when they're playing pepper before, uh, before a baseball game. So that's why you see a lot of kids do that. I do wear my glasses on top of my, uh, hat brim sometimes. That's fine. And the reason I do that is that actually works because sometimes you got to pull them off and put them back on. Some guys do that as kind of a fashion thing, which is kind of weird to me. But for me, it's like, and I, I have very sensitive eyes because I've, I've had some eye issues. So I wear these, these blades. They're almost like goggle glasses when I'm outside, especially in the summer. And so I'll wear them up on the brim and, and I'll pull them up and down, but I don't wear, I don't, I don't, I don't wear them backwards. I think this, the, the spirit of this article, if I can read between the lines, don't be a jackass. Don't be a jackass. Yeah. Be a regular, like just, be a decent human being and be confident. Women, women. I do whatever think- the hell you want to do. Like my son got out of the car the other day and he was pulling his socks up. And I said, why are you pulling your socks up? He goes, because everybody hates it. And I'm like, that a boy. Nice. Finding your way. Doing your thing. It's good to know the Wall Street Journal is breaking down some important topics. Yeah. Though. And he got out of the car the other day and, and it was one of his last days of school. We left a little early because there's just a lot of movies going on. So he's, he's doing some forging today. Nice. He's in a forging club. He's making armor. Nice. And I'm like, you got to talk to Mr. Ron about it. You love that. I would that. love like, to make all, some armor. Yeah. He's down uh, at the Pratt Academy making armor today. And any, any, anyway, one day he got out of the car and his socks weren't pulled up. So I yelled at him. I love, Gunner, I love you and pull your socks up. <laughs> he could not get away from his father fast enough. <laughs> Boy, do they not want to be loved like that in front of other kids. So, and then, uh, anyway, 
Right after that, he started wearing his socks down. So, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. We really appreciate it. If you need us, just reach out. All you have to do is go to ronanddon.com and uh, we can sit down today. Yeah, you can also email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. We should get ronanddonsocksup.com. Yeah. Also, need the newsletter? Uh, we send it out about three times a month. We don't spam you, and we don't sell that information. Uh, we probably send out a newsletter to about 6,000 folks. We'd love to send out a newsletter to you. It's just kind of stuff that's going on with us, whether it be personal or real estate-related, always something to learn. Uh, and we don't have ChatGPT writing our newsletter yet. Yet. Anyway. <laughs> He's Ron. I'm Don. Keep your head up and shoulders back, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Head up and your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.